This is the Jason Jones Show, powered by Mudhouse Media. Now, here's Jason Jones. Aloha, everybody, and welcome to the Jason Jones Show. I am your host, Jason Jones, broadcasting from the beautiful hill country of Texas. My guest today happens to be my favorite public speaker, but you don't know her as a public speaker. Uh, my guest is Sam Sorbo, and you know her as an education freedom advocate and leading expert on home learning. She is an author, podcast host, writer, producer, and of course, she is an actor, and she is in her husband's new film, starring and directed by uh, Kevin Sorbo, Left Behind, Rise of the Antichrist. You know, it just was released this week that Pope Benedict, in a letter to a friend, told him to stay prayerful because we live in the age of the Antichrist. Now, in every generation, people ask, is this the age of the Antichrist? And you know, if you're in the Battle of Gettysburg or um, dying of the Black Plague or were in Stalingrad as it was being besieged, you might ask that self this question. And today people are, are thinking about this. A lot of people are thinking about end times eschatology, which people should in every generation. So the Left Behind Rise of the Antichrist movie uh, comes from one of the most influential Christian book series in the history of the English-speaking language, Left Behind. So this is a film I think you have to go see. The trailer looks great, it's, it's, uh, and it's also a part of just general cultural literacy to know about this book, to know about this movie, to know about um, this eschatology that a lot of Christians hold to about the end times. And I am definitely going to see the film. All right? And uh, before the interview, i got to let you know that in order to be free, you have to be informed. And there is no better newspaper to keep you informed in the world than Epoch Times. But because you listen to the Jason Jones Show and you're getting the secret code, Jason Jones is the secret code, Jason Jones. Like the Democrat Party had a password um, for, their, for their computers and it was password. It's like that. Um, well, the secret code to get you one, your first month subscription for only a dollar at iReadEpoch.com. The secret code is Jason Jones, and it is only for you, the listeners of The Jason Jones Show. You can share it with your friends if you want, though. But don't tell anyone I told you, but you can share it. Just don't tell me you shared it. You can share it, just don't let me know. I don't want to explain to Epoch Times how everyone got the secret code Jason Jones that didn't even listen to the podcast. So that's between you and your conscience. If you want to share it, just don't tell me you shared it. This episode is also being brought to you by the Vulnerable People Project, standing in solidarity with the most vulnerable people in the world when it's most challenging. What does that mean? This week, we're delivering food to Christians and other minorities and the widows and orphans of our Afghan allies killed in action across Afghanistan. Um, we were racing to beat, to get in front of a brutal cold front. It's already below zero. And in some places, it's 10, 20, 30 degrees below zero. Our teams are there distributing food. We're securing churches in Nigeria. We're fighting for Christians across China and standing with the Uyghur and Chinese-occupied East Turkestan. The, 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 the mission of the Vulnerable People Project is to stand between the vulnerable and the violent, and that is what we do. Become a monthly donor. Go to thegreatcampaign.org. 
check out our website. I think you're going to be amazed at what we do, and you're going to want to be a part of it, thegreatcampaign.org. All right? On, oh, I should say this, most awkward ending of any podcast I've ever done. It was so awkward. I made a joke, and Sam did not like it. So you need to listen to the end. It's, it's, it's amazingly awkward. All right? All right. Sam Sorbo. Jason John. Sam Sorbo, welcome to the Jason Jones Show. It's great to be here with you, Jason. I just want to say I am glad that Hollywood has discriminated against your husband and you. No, I'm yeah, serious. Well, I'm, no, know, I'm serious. This is what I'm happens. Dead serious. Do you believe me? <laughs> I do. <laughs> Why? What happens when you? Well, because you know what? If you're not taking flack, you're not over the target. So. Right. Well, a you're yeah. If you're not taking flack, you're not over the target. But it, this is also allowed. I think in the long run, you guys are going to have be more productive and have more opportunities to work and have more control over your projects. I think so too. Uh, there is a freeing element of it that, that uh, there's no more pretense of jumping through somebody else's hoops and stuff. So yeah, for sure. And that brings me to why I wanted to have you on my show. The new film left behind rise of the antichrist coming in theaters. It's going to be in theaters January 26th. Is that correct? That's correct. For four days, it's a fathom event and tickets are selling fast. They've already expanded from, I think it was initially going to be, 800 or 1,000 films, now it's 1,500 films. So there's a there's the groundswell of support for this movie. It's very exciting because, you know, Left Behind was a, was a seminal uh, group of books, right? And it sold gazillions of copies. Um, and the movies have a lot of support, especially now with what we've just, you know, gone through this storm that we've all weathered. Um, and they rewrote the script right before they went into production to include some elements of the pandemic and the, the, the big shift that we're seeing in our culture today um, as, as, uh, as it might tie into the book of Revelation. So it's really fascinating. Yeah, I, I saw the trailer. I haven't seen the film yet. And, uh, but in the trailer, it kind of hints at that. What's it called? Mass psychosis formation did i get that right yeah mass formation yes. psychosis it's you see that in the trailer now we're, i'm catholic so that uh, the rapture is not a part of our theology uh, i'm kind of like the character in the trailer who's like I, I asked i asked to be left behind when i was an evangelical <laughs> uh, i actually read the left behind series as an atheist I, w- I went to costco this was in the 90s and you could buy there was like three books in a set and i bought the three book set and then they just never stopped writing books. I don't know how many there were. And I, I, I started reading them as an atheist. When it became evangelical, I was that guy. I was like, Lord, if, if the rapture is real in the church I went to believed in it, uh, I, want, I want to be left behind. I don't want to, I want to, I want to fight. But, um, you know, perfect timing, just speaking as a Catholic, I don't know if you heard your marketing team needs to get a hold of this. Pope Benedict, a friend of Pope Benedict's, just revealed a letter that he was, he was received from Pope Benedict. Uh, recently, where he said, be prayerful, we now are living in the age of the Antichrist. Wow. Interesting, right? I will I will bring that up to them, because I, I had not heard that, so fascinating. Yeah, so I don't, you know, and by the way, this is, my favorite actors are in this film. First of all, you, uh, your husband, well, 
<laughs> Corbin Bernson. Um, a, it's just a great cast. Yeah, they put together a really great cast. Um, and, of course, Kevin directed it. So, you know, it's going to be a good film. Uh, it is a thriller. Um, but it's appropriate, I think, for most ages. Uh, I don't know what the MPAA did, but they, I, I don't, I don't trust them anymore. So um, you, you got to go by what friends say, or I don't know what, because the MPAA is, they've gone over to the dark side. Um, so, but it's, it, it's, um, it's just a romp. It's just a good movie and it's got wholesome values. And that's what, that's what we're looking for, you know? Yeah, no, and I heard you in another interview, you said, um, you know, you need to go out with your friends, make an event of it. A lot of people are still staying in the house. Like, I love movie theaters, and I want to be a part of getting people back to movie theaters. And secretly, I kind of like, yeah. I still go, I've never stopped going. During COVID, I was the super spreader at the theater. But, you know, I was spreading to no one but myself. The day <laughs> theaters opened, I was there. And um, even if you could stream it, I was like, okay, I can stream it at the same time, but I'm going to go see it in the theater. But I, I love seeing theaters full, and I love seeing young people in theaters. When we were kids, Friday night at the movie theaters is where all the young people were. And I think it's sorrowful that that's kind of going away. And um, But this is the perfect movie to get your whole church together, get everyone together, um, go out to dinner, go to the theater, support this film, um, support faith-based movie producers, actors. Because, you know, even you have Kevin in this film. Um, I always mispronounce his name. Is it McDonough-Hugh, McDonough-Hoe? McDonough. Neil McDonough. Neil McDonough. He is, uh, and he's Catholic, and I think he's going to be in a new movie coming out on St. Maximilian Col Colby, Neil McDonough. He's in it. but Oh, interesting. Yeah, I, I hear, I, I haven't seen it yet, and I've looked around for it, but I heard he's playing St. Maximilian Colby in a new film coming out. But this oh. is what I mean about this being liberating, is these great actors, these great writers, directors, producers, um, they're, this is the future, I think, of the film industry, is tribal. Yeah, tribal. I agree. Well, uh, it's the future of our culture. Which is a little sad. Yeah. Which yeah. is a little sad. Um, but then yet, there's opportunities. I, I guess it's better than not being allowed at the table. If my choice is I have to live in a tribe, if I'm not allowed at the table of the broad community, we're just going to go live in our tribes again. That's right. We're going to go. That's, that's right. Um, and that's that's actually the sad part. But I don't know. I, I, I'm not too, you know, it's, it's inevitable. And the reason is because the other side has, has really embraced evil. When you have a national uh, uh, political party that advocates for dismembering babies inside the womb, do you think they abide by any rules, you know, at all on anything? No, and they are controlling a trillion dollars, a, a trillion dollar checkbook. They're controlling the economy as best they can. And, you know, the, the, the individuals who are within the system, if they haven't grown up with strong morals, which by and large they haven't because people go to school today and school teaches that there are no morals. You can have your own truth. Um, you know, th those people, do you think that they would withstand a bribe, uh, you know, the money? No. So it, 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 it's inevitable that it goes tribal because you're going to have the good guys. And even that's going to be hard to maintain. 
Um, and you're going to have the guys that are not good. So, well, you know, today, the way it is. today in the House, they're having the Born Alive Infant Protection Act vote, I hear. And, um, yeah, I'm glad you brought it up. That the idea that there are people out there who think that if a child survives an abortion, then the child should be killed after it's born. Do you think they'll care about election integrity? Do you think they no. care about top secret <laughs> documents? We're, you know, the gaslighting is over. It, it couldn't be more perfect with the just endless documents are beginning to uh, classify documents are beginning to find all over the place, just littered all over the place. Uh, unlike Trump's documents who were those that they were actually declassified and still secured. These documents were not declassified and were just left around and we're told there's nothing to see there. So they, they, you know, there's this, these, these coincidences happening on, you know, basketball courts and football fields all over the world. Uh, nothing to see there. Uh, top secret documents found littered all over offices associated with Joe Biden. Nothing to see there. A child is born after a botched abortion. Just look away and let the child die. Um, the gaslighting is over, but Hollywood has played a huge role in the gaslighting and miseducation of America. And so it's yeah. very important that we begin to tell our stories. That's right. That's why Kevin and I do the films that we do. That's why I'm such an advocate for home learning. Um, and I don't call it homeschooling because it's absolutely not school because I think school is part of the problem, not the solution. Um, so uh, that's, that's why I do what I do because, uh, because Jesus was pretty clear, better that a millstone be tied around his neck than that he should cause one of mine to assemble um, and, and that he'd be thrown into the sea, mind you. Um, and so I live my life trying to avoid uh, making children stumble, which is exactly what they are all about in the schools today. Yeah, it seems like that's the only reason they exist. Yeah. They're not educating. Yeah. yeah. And we can't that's be upset good... with them, right? Like we can't even, we see these kids and they're, and they're broken. They've been abused. They're being terrorized. They're, uh, they're being indoctrinated and propagandized. And then the algorithms and their social media that they go to again is programmed to make them stumble. Right. Right. It's, it's quite, on purpose. It's quite sorrowful. And that yet you and Kevin, it, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, go ahead. Well, but you and Kevin, like you met in the industry and you were faithful Christians both when you met. Yes. What a great, do you think that you could have kept your faith and Kevin could have kept his faith if you didn't meet, or do you think meeting protected you guys kind of protected each other from being swept away from Hollywood? Were you both so strong that you could have continued along in the industry alone and remained faithful, or do you think finding each other as young and you were very, you were still very pretty young? Do you think finding each other as young actors in Hollywood really you helped shelter each other from being swept away, or do you think you could have been swept away? Uh, that's a good question. You know what? It's all conjecture. Um, who knows what might've happened? I was pretty fervent. Kevin was pretty strong. Um, I think that when we met each other, we realized, Oh, let's, this is good. You know, let's keep this going. Um, so no, I don't think so. Uh, but who's, who's to say, you know, my children taught me so much. I wouldn't have had my children if I hadn't met Kevin. Um, so I'm, 
I'm grateful to him for giving me my kids because, you know, they've, they've taught me more than, more than I could possibly imagine. And I think that's one of the big failures uh, that we have, that we have no concept of because we are a culture that sends our children, our healthy children into institutions that we institutionalize our healthy children. Um, we have no concept of what we are sacrificing, what we are giving up. We think that it's just a win-win. There is no such thing. Um, this is, it's a, it's a win-lose. You lose if you're the parent. The child loses. Um, the, the system wins and they, and they get your money and they get your vote. Uh, but, but by and large, the individual loses, freedom loses. And, um, and I think what's most important is I believe that God gives you your children to teach you lessons. In fact, um, I know for certain that, uh, part of the reason that I got my kids was to teach me patience. And I have time and time again, parents say to me, oh, I lack the patience to homeschool. I could never do it. And I look at them and I say, you know, it's a virtue, right? It's like, it's, it's not a brag that you don't have patience. By the way, the opposite of patience is anger. So are you doing anything about your anger management issues? And finally, um, maybe God gave you your children to teach you patience. Because if you don't have patience with a child, you, you have, a, that's a sad life. Like you, you need to, you need to get your, your ducks in order. Like, um, and, and yet we just sort of, we're so cavalier in our culture. Oh, I just don't have the patience. I just send them to school. School knows better than I do anyway, which is a, an abject lie. And we can see that the, the, the proof of that every day. And yet we still do it. Because we've we've been trained like trained monkeys, we've been trained to send our children to school. Terrible. Yeah, that is a great analogy. Like, yeah, you don't. Of course, you don't have the patience to home. It's like I, I can't go to the gym. I can't bench press three hundred fifty pounds. Of course, you can't go to the gym. You'll be able to. Okay, just start working out. My children, um, my girls, they're little entrepreneurs, and they bake cookies and they take Gatorade and cookies and they carry this table with the other homeschool kids in the neighborhood. We have a lot of homeschool kids, so with their friends. They bake cookies and they and they bring Gatorades and they set up shop by the public school on the walkway to the public school before and after school. They make about a hundred dollars a day selling cookies and Gatorade bottles. And nice. yeah, and the other day they went kind of late and they set up and my kids came home and they said, Dad, it's really sad. You know, there's some kids that they have this after school program. They're there till their parents pick them up at 5.30 and they get dropped off at 6.30 to the early program. We see them there in the early when we're setting up and then they're there at 5.30. They're at that school from 6.30 in the morning till 5.30, five days a week, dad. I said, yeah, isn't that that horrible? Isn't that unbelievable? Who could even imagine that? And I love that you said it's not homeschooling, it's home learning because we don't homeschool anymore. That was maybe something they did in the 70s. I don't know anyone that homeschools anymore. It's home-based learning. It's an adventure. It's, uh, you know, you have tutors coming in, coaches, and driving to this practice and this and that, and your whole home becomes like a museum with so many educational opportunities everywhere you look. <laughs> it's not school anymore. It's it's we've, no. we've broken away. Even the homeschool movement early on was kind of breaking away. We didn't understand that we had been formed, and so we were modeling schools in our homes, but th- those days are over. Right. Right. But the other thing that that I think it's important to understand is that school is not just academic, which is the ruse that 
that we were led to believe that school was entirely academic. And so they convinced us to butt the heck out with our Bibles. Take your Bibles out of the school. School should be entirely academic. That's what education is. It's entirely academic. And so now we confuse education with school. So we think that if you slap the word school on something, it must be good for the child, which, of course, is obviously so untrue these days more than ever before. So um, but the but the point that I'm making is that at this point with our children in school, they are telling us now, no, 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 no. It's not academic. This is about their beliefs. We need uh, social emotional learning in the classroom. It's not academic. They don't have to read or do math to graduate high school. That's the state of Oregon, by the way. And, of course, New Jersey is, is leading the nation in illiteracy. Um, they don't have to do that. But we do have to make sure that they understand critical race theory and uh, gender you know, theories. Um, and so what they did was they got our doctrine out of school And then they inserted their doctrine. And now we're standing on the sidelines going, hey, education shouldn't be about doctrine. But you know what? As Christians and as Catholics, we ought to understand that education is nothing if it isn't doctrine. It is only doctrine. And then the academics are there basically to serve in the in the research and understanding of doctrine. And doctrine by doctrine, I mean what you believe and how you live your life because your beliefs are one thing and how you live your life should bear out your beliefs. But we've got people in office today who say they believe a certain way, but then they, they act a completely different way. We call that hypocrisy and the world is rife with it right now. Certainly our political culture is our schools are right. They say they believe that they want the best for the children. They, they believe that, uh, that children are innocent. And, and then they, and then they go and they corrupt them. And we're sitting there going, Hey, why, why are you indoctrinating my child? Because that's what education is. They just have the wrong doctrine. That's a great point. I I probably use that language, but my whole house is a walking catechism. You know, I, I, everything, the art that I choose, the music that we choose to play in the home, you know, um, I literally have bookshelves placed around the house in strategic order uh, in a way to be a part of kind of a catechesis. Um, right. What we do, where we go on vacation, what we talk about in the car on the way to the grocery store. Yeah. So they, but we've been trained to say, no, no, uh, you know, it should, education should be value neutral. No, maybe we should have, how about this? Um, married two parent family story hour. We have a husband and a wife who are married to each other, go to libraries and read to kids because I'm guessing in in 20 years, more kids will have seen a transgender person in their life than they'll have ever seen a two parent household. Right. Sadly. That's sad. You know, but uh, not not only that, but um, the kids are exposed to porn. I'm having this conversation more frequently now with parents who say, my children tell me everything. If they saw something like pornography in the class, they would tell me. And I look at them and I go, no, they wouldn't. And they don't. And you know what? In our homeschool community, this happens. So I know darn well it's happening in our public schools and even in our non-public schools, right? It's happening because the culture wants your child 
and the culture will do everything it can to get your child. And so, you know, you might say, oh, they don't allow, I had somebody say this to me earlier today, they don't allow uh, smartphones in the school. And I go, why do you suppose they put that law in? Because they had smartphones in the school. We also don't allow illegal aliens in the nation. Do we have any? Yeah. And our kids not getting their phones in the school, especially the troubled kids. And it's, you can't blame the kid. You know where my children first got exposed to this, my older boys? It was at church. It was at CCD. My son wow. came, Max, we, our, we, our families know each other. You know my son, Max. Max came home. The kids came home from CCD. And Max said to Alex, we are never going to that place again. We are never going to CCD again. And, and Alex was like, oh, you're going. You're going. And I hear this upstairs. And I come downstairs. I said, I got this. I got this. And I took him into my office. I said, Max, what happened? He goes, I, 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 uh, nothing, Dad. I can't tell you. We're just never going back there again. I'm like, I'm your father. You can tell me anything. And you can ask me anything. And I don't like, I don't know why he said it this way, but he goes, really? Like, I didn't know that. Okay. And then I'm not going to say what he said to me. And I said, yeah. Uh, or did you hear that? How did you hear that? Oh, this boy, this boy in my RCCD. So of course, Alex starts crying and I'm like, yeah, you should be happy. He made it to 12 years old before he heard stuff like this. So um, yeah. we went to talk to this, the priest and the CCD teacher. And she said, listen, <laughs> this kid is uh, from a broken home. He's raised by his grandma. And of course the church has to care for broken people. And our kids are going to be around broken kids whether it's nieces, nephews, kids across the street, or kids at church school. And so the, the idea that any of us are going to be able to protect our kids from this broken culture, it's, it's, it's impossible. It's coming for the kids. And it just takes one kid at the park one day to hand your kid a phone and say, look at this. And now your child, your 12-year-old boy, knows that in that device, uh, it goes to things like this that the boy at the park showed him. And just natural curiosity well, could lure him away. Of course. And more importantly, he's seen something that he can't unsee. And so you, know, you don't know necessarily what that, what that is, right? Yeah. Um, so, so your best hedge, two things. One, I, I think we often sort of give in too easily. We say, well, he'll see it eventually anyway. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that at six years old it's appropriate, right? We, we have rules about what's appropriate at what ages or whatever. And so you want to stave it off as long as possible. But secondly, if he lives at home, if, if you're with him most of the day, if you're having daily deep conversations about things that matter with your children, because one thing that the school, one thing, one of the things, the many things that the school has done is it has trivialized home conversations. How was your day at school? Fine. Really? Well, what happened? Nothing. There was a test. I did okay. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, it's trivialized everything. What was the test about? You know, um, scientists. So, like, like, the whole conversation has been decimated. But if you're the one who's saying, did you read the book about the scientists? And who was your favorite scientist? And then you're having these conversations with your kids. It gives you more opportunity to delve into so what, what did he show you on his phone? And how did that make you feel? What, what did that, you know, these kind of things, do you think, do you think you want to see more of that? Should we have a conversation about that? Right. But, you know, we, we're so, 
we've been, you and I have been lured away. I don't, well, I don't know if you went to public school. I went to public school. So my, my mother was robbed from me and I was stolen from her, albeit with her compliance and her complicity. And um, there's, there's the, the, the family has been stolen from the culture. That's why we are a largely unparented society now. And that's why you have parents who say, well, I can't home educate. They don't know how to parent, much less train their children in the way they should go. And, and Sam, Sam, yeah, I mean, my mother had me at 16. I went to public school, but I, be, I began ditching. I, I kind of homeschooled myself. I mean, by high school, I went just enough to remain eligible for sports. Yeah. You, dodged, you dodged the bullet 100%. because you saw that it was stupid. And you're like, this is not for me. And by the way, this is what I tell parents. Your children will teach themselves. If you give them the tools and the methods, you show them how to learn, they will learn whatever, the, whatever God put in their heart to learn. They will learn based on their own curiosity. But when you send them to school, it kills their curiosity. The school tells them, sit down, shut up, stop asking questions. So what do you expect? And that's why you hated school. That's why I hated school. You know, the people who loved school are the people who had all the friends. Like they were the, you know, the popular kids. They had a good time, but they didn't love school. They didn't love the academics. I mean, some people, right? A very few were like, no, I love the academics. Okay. So, so you were the one. <laughs> you know, I loved reading. This is true, Sam. I would, I was put into a program for troubled kids and which was awesome because what they did is we were too disruptive to be even allowed to leave the classroom. <laughs> okay. So okay. we had to stay in the same classroom all day. That makes sense can't go in the halls you can't walk around the teachers would change classrooms not this group of troubled kids okay but what this allowed me to do is i would sit by the window they only took attendance the first class so i would sit by the window and if ever there was one 30 seconds between one teacher being in the room and the other teacher not i literally would dive out the window i would dive out the window the other kids wouldn't tell on me. I wouldn't be marked absentee. And do you know what I did? I would I would walk along a highway to the to the mall. I would go steal books. Um, I would pick up bottles so I could get a hamburger from Dairy Queen. I would walk through this prairie and look at ant hills and bumblebees and throw rocks in a creek. And sometimes my best friend Aaron, I could cajole him to jump out the window with me. And those were beautiful. I I'd literally unschooled myself and I'm so grateful for it and your family our families you know we've spent time together and I think your life is sort of like ours that it's charmed but it's in the reach yes. of anybody anyone can well, live is, like this right but it's just they don't know it yeah but it's right and there this is, this is what I this is what I tell people is you know my relationship with my children is more than I could ever have dreamed uh it's it, it's uncanny and to think that the school would have robbed me of that, that I never would have known what I, what I was missing is, um, it's painful. And it pains me that other parents are going through that and they have no idea what they're sacrificing when they turn their kids over uh, at the school stairs, you know? So. I, on all ends. Now that brings me to end times eschatology. I am, <laughs> I don't know about you, but I, I love, I'm a Catholic and, and I'm intrigued by eschatology and how one is a Christian should live in these crazy times. In fact, even my organization, the Vulnerable People Project, I'm thinking, okay, if, 
In all times, we should probably radically live. We should live to serve those who are extremely vulnerable from the child in the womb to Christians being persecuted in Nigeria to Uyghurs being harvested for organs in Chinese-occupied East Turkestan. I want to live my mm-hmm. life serving those who are vulnerable to actors in Hollywood being persecuted and blackballed. I just want to stand up, speak up for those who are being persecuted. The J6 defendants, mm-hmm. young man Nick Oaks just going to prison mm-hmm. for four years for going into the Capitol, leaving his pregnant mm-hmm. wife uh, and child away for four years. So yeah. the Left Behind book series, more than anything, got the United States and maybe the late great planet Earth before that thinking about end times. And I love reading. I watch Muslim videos on their teachings of the Jal and the Antichrist and the end times, Protestant videos. So this movie Left Behind really brings, um, I think, what evangelicals believe. more broad, Is this broadly evangelicals or the Protestant world's teaching on end times? Uh, the idea yeah. of the rapture and, and that. Right. So it's just really a great opportunity for everyone to kind of, if you're evangelical, this is a classic book in your tradition, even though it's only 25 years old. It's one of the most influential book series uh, in the history of the English language, probably. And um, Yeah, probably. And for those of us who are Catholic, it's kind of mysterious. Like, what do they believe? We're raptured? What is that? What does that even mean to be raptured? Like, a lot of Catholics won't even know what that means. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and I think maybe not maybe not more importantly, but maybe um, it's sort of it's reflective of the the world that we're living in right now. In fact, the tagline for the movie is a true story that hasn't been written yet. No, a true story that hasn't happened yet. Yeah, I saw that. That's a um, great tagline. Right. So it's really it's a thriller, and I think that if you if you are a believer, it gives you some food for thought. And if you're not a believer, uh, it gives you some food for thought. So, so it's a it's pretty broad. And sure, it it is the 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 Protestant version of events, the Protestant beliefs of of events to a certain degree. But that's sort of I don't think that it's going to be offensive to people who. Oh, and it's not um, offensive at all. No, as a I can tell you, really to anybody actually. No, as a Catholic, it's not offensive at all. And I just find it. We have taken the most mysterious things about the mysteries of life, and we just yawn at them. I think thinking about the end times, the returning of Jesus Christ, the rise of the Antichrist, Pope Benedict just wrote to a friend that we live in the age of the Antichrist. That's pretty, whoa, that's a big statement. That's a big statement. Yeah. So yeah. Well, you, you should, you know, take that maybe as seriously as global warming or the uh, COVID. <laughs> you know, when, the, when a pope says we live in the age of the Antichrist, you should go... Let me think about it. Let me let me look into this, right? And so this yeah. film is a great opportunity for us to think about this. And what does it mean for us? What does it mean for us as parents, as children? Um, my daughter said to me, oh, this was bizarre. We do a homeschool PE. You're not going to believe this, Sam. She comes home from homeschool PE. She says, Dad, I think Jesus is coming back soon. I said, why do you sound so sad about it? I wanted to know what it was like to be a grown-up. I want to know what it's like to be a grown-up. I said, well, what makes you think our Lord is coming back? Well, at homeschool PE, there's this little girl that they just told us now we have to say is a boy. Oh, dear. Homeschool PE. I'm like, who said that? The teachers? No, the mom came in and gave a big speech to all of us. Wow. I said, yeah, okay, you're out of that homeschool PE. I said, well, Princess, I don't know if that necessarily is going to be the 
what brings her Lord back. I said, you know, we've had crazy ideas before. The Nazis had PhD programs on how, you know, Aryans were the super race and everyone believed that insanity. And in America, we had pools for white people and pools for black kids. And, and our Lord didn't come back from that. And, and, uh, as, as crazy as this trans thing is, I think it's, you know, on par with ideas on crazy ideas on race that are just made up. She goes, I don't think so, dad. <laughs> I think this is very offensive to God saying that a boy is a girl and a girl is a boy. And I think our Lord's coming back. Wow. And she just like looked out the window sad, you know, she's thinking, I want to know what it's like to be an adult. But if we could all just take as seriously as my daughter, the thoughts about the time in which we live and what is all of this that is happening around us? Global leaders saying you're going to eat crickets and you're going to be happy. And we need to reduce the world population, Bill Gates and, and um, Ted, uh, Ted Turner said, you know, we need to reduce the world population by 2030 to 500 million. Well, how are we going to do that? Um, all of this just swirls around us. Yeah, they've got plans for that. <laughs> yeah, they got a plan. Don't worry. I shouldn't they have worry. a whole system worked. They figured yeah, it out. Don't worry. They've okay, got a whole okay. system worked out. I was, I was so worried. Like, how are we going to meet this goal? Uh, well, they're doing it in Afghanistan, exactly. Sam. I'll tell you, they're starving that country to death. 90% of the people are starving. And my organization today literally delivered food to former Afghan employees of the World Food Program. It's just, un it's just bizarre. Um, wow. and are we paying attention to the countries that we have star we're starving around the world that are starving around the world? This doesn't even register a blip. Maybe. So I cannot thank you. Your family is the example in Hollywood. You, your son is involved. You know You're involved. Yeah. You're a beautiful. He's in the movie actually. That is awesome. That's going to yeah, get my very kids proud to go because I think our kids play Fortnite or something. They do something together. Uh, on the internet. I don't know. Oh what it is. yeah, they probably do. <laughs> um, and, uh, he, it's, I, I can't tell people enough how you can have this. You just have to reach out and take it. So the Lord has made it available to you and he's given us the instructions. He says, raise up your children. He doesn't say, find your kids a good school. And yet we don't trust God. We trust the government because the government says, trust me with the education of your children. I'll take it. I'll take care of it. So we trust instead the government. This is not, this is not the way we should be living our lives. So uh, and, I just, um, yeah. And Sam, I'm and gonna I, say and this. I will say this. So there's a couple, there's, yeah. there's a family. We have so many families that listen together. There's a family listening. I was like, yeah, okay, that's easy for Sam Sorbo to say. You know, I work at Applebee's and my husband drives for Amazon. And when he's not doing that, he's doing Uber and we're struggling. But the point is, I can say this because I, I, the nature of my life and my work, I get to see in every direction. I think it's harder what you and your husband have done than what anyone else can do. Because you've done it in this industry that's sick. With all sorts of allurements. I have a, my, 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 one of my sisters, I, I was trying to tell her and her husband that they, they need to, change kind of how they live. And they're like, well, that's easy to say, Jason, you make so much more money than us. And I said, it only seems like I make more money than you because of how we live our life. And I said, let's look at how much we make. And he actually makes more money than I do. But because they, because they both work, they live, their standard of living would look like 
working class or, you know, barely getting by and it looks like we're on cruise control. Well, when you choose to live in a smaller house, not the best neighborhood in town, when your wife doesn't work, you don't, you, it actually dra- dramatically drives down the cost of your living. Um, and I, we, we have friends that send their kids to go to public school and there are all sorts of financial costs associated with public school who knew about, I didn't know. So nowadays, yeah, you're paying for this, yeah. that, and the other thing. I'm like, wow, I can't afford to send my kids to public school. That's right. Sadly. True. Yeah. So this um, is available to anyone. And whenever I see your family, exactly. you know, you guys would uh, come to Hawaii. Uh, I would see you. And it's just a beautiful, charmed family. You never seem hurried or rushed, yet you're uber productive, writing books and TV shows and public appearances and speaking and producing movies. And yet you, your family, like I say to my kids, we live in a beautiful walled off garden, but outside the garden, you know, we need to have the 50 cows locked and loaded in the sandbags in the pickup truck. Um, <laughs> but you know, you're in, so I just want to commend you and you're paving the way for so many other young people who want to uh, be free to work in the entertainment industry. Just not, not just conservatives, not just Christians, but it's really sorrowful that in everyone in that everyone on that industry in that industry is on eggshells everyone and they're all scared right. to death that they're going to say the wrong thing to get them canceled because it doesn't really matter where you are on the political spectrum in that town you say the wrong thing and it's it's you're done um but what you're demonstrating yeah, true is, what you're demonstrating is listen we'll we'll kick the doors down we'll stand on your stumbling block and make it a stepping stone and you have this this wonderful movie that's going to be in theaters August, I'm sorry, October, January 26th, Left Behind, The Rise of the Wow. <laughs> I gave you three different dates. Yes. That's my dyslexia. I miss, January. I, I, I mix those months up since I was four. That's my dyslexia. That's probably what saved which me from ones public do you, school. Wait, which ones do you mix up? January and what? January, August? October, and August blend to me. And I was born in oh, October. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. And I do it with for certain me, colors. Are you dyslexic? Do you have dyslexia? No, but I'm. But I always stumble between November and February. I think one is the second to last, and the other's the second to first. And oh, for some reason, I always your brain yeah has... conflate or yeah. Re- I get them. I don't get them confused, but I do. Like I, I substitute them by accident. So yeah, I totally you get know that. what That's you're funny. saying. Like I know what I'm saying. <laughs> I know that I meant January 26th. <laughs> Well, I need to make sure everybody else knows what you're saying, because I want people to go see this movie, because honestly, I love I love this conversation. What do you think of the world and what can you do to change it? Because what happens is in this movie, the people who understand, they start to understand what's going on and they seek to change it. And it's not too late for us. For them, it's almost too late. Right. If you're thinking end times for us, it's not too late. You, you tell your daughter. He's not here yet, sweetheart. We're called to occupy. We're called to occupy, not to lay down and roll over. And so, you know, she had an opportunity there to talk to the child. Now your daughter's too young, but she had an opportunity to talk to the child and say, you know what? You're a girl and you will always be a girl to me because that's how I got to know you. And that's who you are. And I'm sorry you're confused. How how is saying that? If you were to say that on The View, they would throw things at you. Like, it's just bizarre, isn't it? It is bizarre. Yes, it's like, what is going on in the world? That, we, that we've that we embraced 
the lie. Well, you know, I wrote a book about this, the words for warriors. Um, I, I got tired of the lie that fascism is right wing. It's not, it's left wing. And then I started sort of delving into that and realizing that they, they've taken so many words. For instance, school is not education. That's not what school is, but that's what we think it is. And, and there's just a ton of other words out there. So I wrote words for warriors. And then, you know, when I was writing the dedication, I'm like, who should I dedicate it to? And I realized, oh, I'm dedicating this to the word because in the beginning, was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And that's why they are attacking our words. Everything. Right. And, 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 and he made them man and feet. It's as if they go through the book of Genesis and said, let's try to unravel everything. Yes. That's exactly what it's like. That's exact. And that's exactly what they're doing. So man made, uh, sorry, God made man in his own image. And then he made woman and, uh, so he made them both in his own image, which is different than the animals, but they're trying to say, nope, we're the same as the animals. We're a cancer on the earth. We need to depopulate the, like all of these messages that they are putting into the culture. And this is leftism. This is not Democrat versus Republican. Although the Democrat party has embraced leftism, um, the messaging that they're putting into the culture is everything anti-God. Every, everything that they do, you can trace it back to anti-God. This is a spiritual battle. We should be on our knees, but we are called to occupy. We need to be waging this battle. And if anybody wants more information about home learning, I don't call it homeschooling, they can go to my website. I have resources for parents. I train parents in this. Um, it is not nearly as hard as you think because you've been taught to think that it's hard by people who want to keep their jobs namely the education establishment. And it's so much more rewarding than you ever dreamed. And the last thing I would wish for you is that you send your child away from you to be educated to hate you. And hate themselves and cut themselves and yeah, fair have enough. pain and cry and have to smoke pot to go to sleep at night. And um, they blast mind-numbing music to distract them from the disorder and sorrow in their soul. And, the, and, and I know a lot of public schools kids in my family that's them and that's public school kids in, in your family out there so sam how, now where do we go to find how do we how do we follow you on on home learning oh just go to samsorbo.com all all my resources are there um everything's there samsorbo.com do, do you do public speaking because the best speech i've ever heard in my life it was masterful it was when i first met you and i turned to my friend i said future governor of california right there and, uh, it was the best speech I've ever heard in my life. It was perfectly structured. It was on what is conservatism. It was just, it was perfectly delivered, perfectly structured. Do you do a lot of public speaking? Because if there's groups out there looking for speakers, you couldn't go wrong with Sam Sorbo. Uh, you're, you're too kind. Thank you very much. And I do because I'm, I'm on a mission to uh, emancipate the American people from the enslavement of our school system. And I don't say that lightly, but that's exactly what this is. So, uh, so yeah. And all my resources are at samsorbo.com. By the way, uh, we're leading a tour to Israel in May. I'm so excited about this. There are just a few spots left. So if you're at all interested, if, if going to Israel is on your bucket list and you want to join the Sorbo family in Israel, then you can also go to samsorbo.com and find out more about that. 
I might be. I might stop by and say hi to you guys. I'm going to be in Iraq in May and was invited to Israel in May for something else. So I might. Oh, just, wow. I might pop in and say hi to you guys. That would be I'll, awesome. I'll say hi to you guys. Well, Sam, I can't thank you enough, and um, we're all. I, I promise you, I'm going to buy out a Showtime in my town. Something I love to do. Yay! And I'll buy out a Showtime in the Hill Country of Texas, and I encourage everyone to do that. And it looks fun. That's the key. It looks yeah. fun. I mean, it's on. By the way, we should be able to laugh. G.K. Chesterton said that joy is the the word hidden between every line in the gospel, and um, and so even we shouldn't be afraid. Yesterday, I had said to a friend of mine, he said, "Oh, it's the end. It's the end." I said, oh, "I'm going to be doing the moonwalk in Prince's Purple Rain if it's if the Lord's coming today. Like whatever. I'm happy. I'm good." And. Um, and so that this film, this film should be fun. It should knit us together. And going to the movies should be fun again because that's my wife laughs at me because every time we go to the movies, you're probably not going to like this. I buy everything. So, oh dear, yes, <laughs> I buy the snow caps. That's funny. The mint things. What are those? The uh, the mints. Junior mints. I buy. Junior mints. I buy junior mints. I buy uh, nerds. By hot dogs. On our first date, I did this, and she, being who she is, had never eaten food in a theater in her life, which was just bizarre to me. She thought I was a lunatic, and I said, "No, this is what that's how I do it. This is a movie. It's got to be a. It's got to be like. A, it's got to be a blast. So uh, we're gonna have a blast. We're gonna go support this film. I'm gonna be in Florida this month for several things. I'm hoping you guys will be at some of them. Fantastic! I, I look forward to seeing you. Okay, Sam. Let's stay in touch. Hey, thank you so much, and um, yeah, it's great to chat, so I appreciate it. And, and you're Thanks welcome. Thanks for letting me vent. You no, know what, Jason? You're welcome I don't on need the my show therapist anytime. today. Uh, okay, I'll invoice you then. I'll send you an invoice. Okay. 50, I'm 50% of whatever your, your therapist is. Hey, by the way, this, this, this podcast is your podcast. Anytime you want to come on and talk, uh, because your main topic is, oh, I was going to ask you this, last thing. Have you ever read Kurt Vonnegut's Harrison Bergeron? Yeah. Okay. Because that's everything. Yeah, the about. short story. The short story about the um the putting putting on uh uh thing uh, uh what do they call them? San, they had, you put disruptors in your ears because the smart kids disruptors think the beautiful people had yep. to wear masks. The athletic but they they had, had another they had another name they had another name for it. It was like the Distractor the or yeah, it was a device. It was like they had a generalized umbrella name for all the devices oh the handicapper the, we the might as well call general. them it was the handicapper general. general yeah and and they are equity devices equity right devices. That he yeah. didn't have the term equity but that's what he meant and i love that story it it falls apart for me at the very end but it's a story definitely whoa, whoa, to whoa, recommend whoa, whoa. To tell people. me how it falls apart about because I, I read that that book that novella that short story saved my life because I read it in the seventh oh, nice. grade. And how a seventh grader with dyslexia and ADHD who barely maybe got three C's in my life because the rest were D's and F's. I read it and I'm like, I'm Harrison Bergeron. How did I think I was the super smart, super athlete? But I did. I And I said, I got to escape liked- these people. But, but me going, being a 13-year-old or 12-year-old going through puberty, reading it, the idea of eros and beauty and dying for the kiss and the dance... How, is, is that where it fell apart for you? I love that part as a kid. That were like, whoa. I love to hear that um, because, yeah, it fell apart at the dance for me because 
it, it just sort of got silly. Um, but that's my take. Like, I just, it seemed like it, it took a silly turn there. Um, but it's still, that doesn't, I guess, I guess I shouldn't say, I don't think that it detracts from the story because the essence of the story is sound. It's very, very sound, especially today. And the other one that you ought to read if you haven't yet is Ayn Rand. In 1950, she wrote an essay called uh, Los Compra Chicos. Oh, I love it. Which the means, Deformers. Oh, the, the, the deformers. oh, is that what you call them, the Deformers? Well, I didn't the, know it was uh, tr- translated that way. I call it the Child Buyers. Yeah, isn't where they would, they would break, they would deform the children? Okay. Yes. Yeah, that's what yeah. I call it. Yeah, okay, I just, I didn't remember. I, oh, what a great story. I'm going to put both those, and there's a, Army Hammer made a, a, a film version, a small, short film version of it. I'm going to put that in the show notes too, and I'm going to put the Ayn Rand story. It's got to be out there somewhere publicly. I can put it in the show notes next to your website and where to buy tickets. That is oh, such yeah, it, a, it, it, that is it such is. a, I forgot about that. I haven't read that since I was in college. Yeah. That's a good one. But see, I, I want to defend Kurt Vonnegut real quick. I just think that equity destroys love and destroys eros. And young people today with pornography and TikTok and or what is it called? Uh, Bumble and what's the other one? What are these apps that they use? Snapchat. Oh, uh, the apps they use to date and... Um, uh, Snapchat or... Um, a hookup app. There's a hookup app. They swipe right. Tinder, Tinder. Um, Tinder. They've been robbed of eros they've been robbed of sort of this natural awakening of romantic attraction and, and beauty. Okay. So, so hold on. This is fascinating because we're good. We're doing a Bible series, a Bible series. We're doing a sermon series with body Bauckham from, from years before. And it's out there. If you want to look it up, it's body Bauckham's um, series on marriage in four parts. That's how you find it. And he talks about how we have this Roman Greco version of love which I believe is Eros, what you're referring to. And the idea that you can be struck by love, which means you can just as easily fall out of love, which is what gets us into trouble, right? We get married and then we say, well, we grew apart. You know, Cupid struck the first time, but then we, we got hit and we got dislodged and now we're no longer in love. And it, it destabilizes the institutions and, and it destabilizes all of them because you know, marriage is sort of foundational, but love of country. Maybe you fall out of love with your country, and then you don't want to serve in the military. So you did. Tra- so you 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 leave the military. You uh, what's the word? Um, desert. Um, okay, we're going to do a whole show on this because Vadi Vakum needs to read Augustine and Thomas Aquinas. I think that he's missing like two thousand years of Christians thinking about this, which I agree. It does come from that. The Greeks. Well, mind you, he's talking about he's talking about marriage, and the idea is you fall in love with somebody, but love is first it's a decision, and it's accompanied by emotion. But it is not an emotional decision. The Bible says that the heart is wicked, so you don't just follow your heart. It's a decision accompanied by emotion and followed by action, and it still requires the action, right? Yeah, but what I was and more so, talking about, Sam, is the young people today, they never know longing or mystery because they've been looking at hardcore pornography since before they were in puberty. Most of them have been exposed to hardcore pornography before they were even interested in it. It's just That's right. a curiosity. And That's right. And it destroys, it destroys, yes, 
you it know, destroys the mystery. It destroys the romance because because it shatters vision. It shatters imagination. It shatters, right? Yes. Yeah. And, and they don't know longing, very, right? Very, very like, destructive. They don't wait. There's no... They ask each other, like, the first question is, what's your body count? You know, how many people have you slept with? That's their first question. Oh, oh yeah, what's your body? Oh, mine's 14. What's yours? Oh, mine's 27. Oh, right on. And... And it's just kind of cavalier and nonchalant. So they know they don't know longing. I always joke that air supply would not succeed today. Okay, they, you, that needs longing and and sorrow and romance and yeah. And so that yeah. might be a good thing, but they don't have that, right? They don't. And so that's what I was talking about. In for me as a twelve-year-old in the eighties, reading Harrison Bergeron, mesmerized by the girls around me. And when I tell young guys today, you know, when I was a young person, like we didn't have pornography. You might see a Playboy every 36 months would flitter through your neighborhood or something like that. And then you had the Sears catalog. But what you had was just the girls in your neighborhood. There was nothing more exciting for a young 14-year-old boy than to go swim at the pool with your friends and there are all the pretty girls around. These guys go to the pool. A 14-year-old boy goes to the pool today. It's a different thing. Then when my grandpa went to the pool or went to the beach, you know, when my grandpa in the thirties went to uh, Oak street beach in Chicago, uh, it was like when I went to the pool downtown in 1984, but it's different for young kids today because there's no mystery. There's no, and, and that's to me, what's very sorrowful and it breaks my heart. And if you don't have the awakening of romance or attraction, how can you even now, how do you even, build upon that to the Christian virtue of love. And when they, you know, they, they can't even experience the awakening. Um, and that's just what to me is very sorrowful. Yeah. Very well said. Well, we should do it. We should, I'm going to watch this series and then maybe we can do a whole podcast on that because it's, it's something that really concerns me more than anything, because I think it's going to lead to a very violent, angry, lonely generate generation. Yeah. I will say, I think his, his point is, the purpose is to get young people to consider the contract that they're entering into more than just, oh, I'm so in love with him. He's just dreamy. You know? Yeah, right now, people are going, yeah. Okay, Sam, Sorbo and Kevin Sorbo aren't going to be the ones to talk to us about this. I promise you that. Or what? <laughs> I'm just teasing you. I'm like, they're going, yeah, we don't need Sam Sorbo and Kevin Sorbo to talk to us about this. Why? Oh, why? Because oh, uh, is it? <laughs> you're Sam and Kevin Sorbo. The, oh. the woman's going like, well, my husband's 350 pounds, all right? That's all mm. I'm saying. It's a joke. Mm. You didn't like my joke, did you, okay. Sam? You can, you, <laughs> you can say I don't like your joke, Jason Jones. I don't know what to do with your joke. You just let it, you just let it awkwardly sit there like it did, and it's perfect. That's, <laughs> that's why I love podcasts. I was going through with my my best friend today about all this. Oh shoot! I've got to go. I've got another. I, I, we talked so long. I, I know. I told late. you thirty minutes. Sam's like, oh, on that note, I got to go, and I got to sell pillows and newspapers. Sam Sorbo. <laughs> Get it done. I'll talk to you later. Right, Thank bye. you. Okay. Bye bye. Bye. All right, guys. Do you like that? She's like, oh, I don't know. What does he mean by that? What do I mean by that? You know what I mean by that. All right, guys. Um, we hit on the end of my is my obsession. My obsession is young people don't have longing and they don't have leisure and they don't have quiet. And that's just, the, to me, the most sorrowful thing. 
the absence of longing in the life of young people and the absence of leisure. What do I mean by that? Of just quiet time, of nothing time, of boredom. Young people today are bored when their Wi-Fi is out for 10 minutes. You know, I was bored from 1983 to 19 to, to 1987, and I would just walk around the woods with a stick, throwing rocks at trees, seeing if I could hit the tree. That was my <laughs> that was my adventure. I wish young people had that. You know, just walking around in creeks with my friends, or finding buildings to climb to see if we could climb up the gutters of buildings all around town without getting too many rust slivers in our hands. Um. Yeah, it's 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 that that's that's my topic of choice usually. That's what I obsess on in my mind. All right, guys, we're gonna go. I'm going to like I always do. I do this for all my friends' films. I try to buy as many theaters as possible if they fit the mission of movie to movement, which Left Behind: Rise of the Antichrist sure does. And I encourage you all to go see it. Uh, and I am, I am not kidding you. I I am obsessed with end time teachings of all the different religious traditions. In the past year, I've probably read several books. I've read several books on Islamic teaching on the Antichrist or the Dajjal in the last days and probably listened to 300 hours of lectures. And I went through this whole thing with the evangelical or Protestant teaching of the rapture uh, in the 90s as an atheist. And I actually read almost all of the Left Behind books. And then I, I got distracted. I think I read like the seven of them. I don't know how many there were. But in the show notes, I'm going to have Sam's website. And check out the book on words. That one sounds intriguing to me. I'm going to order that book. And take your friends to Left Behind, Rise of the Antichrist. By the way, this is going to be a big year for us for movies, guys. Several wonderful films are going to be coming out over the next 12 months. And this is the first one uh, that I'm going to ask you to go see. And I will be there as well. This episode has been brought to you by the best newspaper in the world. And you know what that newspaper is, Epoch Times. Go to IReadEpoch.com. I'm going to beat this this horse. Beat the dead horse. I'm going to beat this point. I don't want to offend PETA. You need to be reading Epoch Times when these house investigations come out. Because I can promise you, the mainstream media is going to hide the revelations that start to come out from these house investigations. So you need to go right now to iReadEpoch.com and use the code Jason Jones and get your subscription. For $1, your first month is $1. And I can promise you, these investigations, it's going to be something like America has never seen. And a lot of America is not going to get to see it because the mainstream media is going to bury it. So you need to subscribe to Epoch Times. I read epoch.com. The code is Jason Jones so you can stay informed and keep your friends and family informed because they're not going to have a clue because CNN and MSNBC and NBC, they're not going to be telling folks. This episode has also been brought to you by uh, the Vulnerable People Project, standing in solidarity with the most vulnerable people in the world uh, when it's most challenging. Today, I woke up to photographs of our ground teams across Afghanistan um, delivering food and coal uh, to some of the most remote parts of Afghanistan to support minority families and the widows and orphans of our Afghan allies. And they sent us pictures of the ice on their tr the, the windows of their cars freezing, uh, the buildings where the, it just caked in ice because it's so cold, it's 30 degrees below zero. And that's what we do with the Vulnerable People Project. 
And we just delivered food today to a former employee of the World Food Program. I couldn't believe that. Sent me a message. And, um, and then I got another request from another former employee of the World Food Program saying, can you help my family? So this is the reality on the ground. We don't know of any other organization distributing the amounts of food we are, or any food at all, really, anywhere in the country. So we need your help. Go to thegreatcampaign.org. Become a monthly donor. So I know it comes from the podcast. Um, do $18 if you've never donated to us before. And I'll go, okay, that guy listened to the podcast yesterday. All right. Uh, until next time, which might be tomorrow. I'm going to try to do a bunch of shows this week. It's been Jason Jones with Sam Sorbo. The Jason Jones Show. This has been the Jason Jones Show, powered by Mudhouse Media. Jason.